It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, friends? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. This football season, of course, has been different, but Pepsi is always here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi, of course, isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. What's going on, guys? Billy Rossetti with you guys here on another Monday at the podcast. Unfortunately, not a victory Monday again as the Panthers fall short yet again. That's kind of been a common theme so far this season with the Panthers. They've been very competitive through pretty much all seven games of this season. But the downside is uh, they've only won now three of those seven as they fall to three and four on the season after a tough loss to the New Orleans Saints on Sunday by a score of 27 to 24. As the Saints just uh, the Saints just moved the ball incredibly well, uh, both on the ground and through the air, especially on the ground. And we knew that that was going to be one of the biggest concerns with the Panthers in this game is that they had to stop the running game and at least the opposing running backs uh, to have a shot in this game. Now, you know, the Panthers offense certainly played very well themselves, at least, you know, through the air. We'll touch on uh, the ugliness that was the running game uh, down the line. But Teddy Bridgewater at least uh, kept the Panthers in this one as he's done for most of the season. And uh, the receivers came up big as usual. So, you know, credit the Panthers for hanging in there, kind of going toe-to-toe with the Saints. But there are certainly a couple of big plays that uh, that we're going to look at or look back. And those those are certainly the difference in these games. And really, I'm not even that all concerned with the, uh, you know, we might as well start right at the end, because obviously that's going to be a decision people are talking about. And that's the decision to go for a 65-yard field goal uh, with two minutes left with the Panthers facing fourth down. I'm not all that concerned with that decision. I mean, let's face it. We saw the kick. That would have been good from 64. I mean, he, he got that right in front of the crossbar, but unfortunately fell just short, and that wound up being essentially the end of the game. So I don't really have a problem. You know, clearly the Panthers are confident and for good reason in Joey Sly's leg. And I mean, look, it it had the accuracy. I mean, that, that ball was going right down the middle. And I honestly thought when he booted that, I thought he had it. I really did. But then I see the ref signaling no good. And then you saw the replay and saw I was just short. So um, incredible effort, but falling just short. But I'm again, I'm not concerned with that play. One of the con- one of the plays I was concerned with though was the play before the field goal and that of course was the sack 
that Teddy Bridgewater took on third down that we initially thought took them out of field goal range before we saw they were still almost in field goal range anyway, um, despite the bad sack, you know, and, and credit the Saints on that play too. You know, they, they came with a stunt and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Marcus Davenport, Marcus Davenport on the stunt going up against Mike Davis. And I mean, that's a, that, that's a total mismatch. You know, the, 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 the Saints did a great job of just kind of swear, especially late in the game, you know, er, early on, the Panthers did a nice job of, you know, kind of taking care of Bridgewater, but it seemed as the game wore on and especially, you know, late in the game, the Saints just kept bringing more and more pressure. At least it felt like they were bringing pressure and, and Teddy was scrambling more often than, uh, more often than it felt like early in the game. You know, he was, uh, he was dancing around the pocket quite a bit. And the Saints did a great job of rattling Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, forcing him to make some some bad throws. And and it was really just an, an incredible stunt game that that got Teddy Bridgewater to really have nowhere to go on that third down play. So it was a bad sack of, you know, no doubt it was a bad sack, absolutely. But um, again, credit the Saints D line for just being so active in, you know, getting to the quarterback and stressing the offensive linemen, who of course were a little bit banged up, obviously too. Uh, not just going into the game, but throughout the game. Uh, Russell Okung left with an injury. Greg Little had to take over. Now Greg Little, I think, still continues to play pretty well, but. Um, the Panthers certainly did not have a lot of depth either at the guard position. John Miller, of course, wound up being inactive uh, with the injury he was dealing with all week. And so Dennis Daly ended up getting the start. Trent Scott was there, but it was only Trent Scott and Sam Tecklenburg were the only other uh, backup guards available to the Panthers. You know, with, of course, the injuries and then, of course, uh, Michael Schofield and Tyler Larson are on are on the reserve COVID list. So the Panthers all of a sudden got really thin at the interior line. So they really couldn't afford any injuries really across the entire line, uh, but, but more so on the interior. At least with offensive tackle, they were able to get Greg Little in there. Um, but So this team was certainly banged up a little bit, and you can tell that um, there was obviously some issues, especially running the ball. I mean, that was... That's one of the biggest knocks, I think, too, with this game was the running game. I mean, the fact that they ran for just 37 yards on 14 carries is is kind of ridiculous. You know, this this was a team that was starting to pride itself on the run game. They looked like they were running the ball a lot better, but the Saints just really held this team in check on the running game. I and mean, Mike Davis led the way with just 12 yards on the ground. You're not going to win a lot of football games. So it's almost incredible that the Panthers were even this close to the Saints with not even rushing for 40 yards as a team. But like I said, there were that a couple of plays, that sack was a big one. The last drive of the first half, too, was brutal. I mean, the Panthers score to make it 17-14. They're feeling good. They're going to get the ball in the second half or to start the second half. And then Drew Brees just 
drives the field as he usually does, and they get inside the five-yard line with about five seconds left, spike the ball. We're thinking they're just going to go for the field goal, but nope, they keep the offense out there, and Breeze hits Deontay Harris with two seconds left, and that was quite the momentum shift. You know, instead of the Panthers going into the locker room with a 17-14 lead, they go into the locker room trailing 21-17. And that, to me, was brutal. That, that caused a lot of concern for me going into the second half. Now, again, I the Panthers, you know, credit their resiliency as they've done all season long. You know, that could have been a play where they could have you know, rolled over and said, you know, we're out of this, but this is the new fighting mentality that Matt Rule has brought to this franchise, and you see it week in and week out. Now, hopefully soon, you know, eventually it'll start turning into wins. I think this is just a lot of the inexperience showing for this team as well, that they, you know, just have to start learning how to win these close games, especially against these these top teams, but again, the fact that they hardly ran the ball at all this game or or hardly has success running the ball, and the fact that they only lost by three points on the road against New Orleans is, you know, we, we hate using the words moral victory, right? It's always, you know, it, it always feels bittersweet to use moral victory when you lose a tough division game. But in a way, you can kind of use it here because, again, this is a young team that's, you know, still on the on the mend. And to go into New Orleans and pretty much kind of go toe-to-toe with a Saints team that a lot of people, actually myself included, picked to, uh, you know, make a deep run or, or at least... Uh, go to the Super Bowl. I think preseason, I actually had the 49ers getting back to the Super Bowl, but I had the Saints making a uh, a pretty good run. But we're obviously talking about a team. A lot of us picked the Saints to win the division. The Panthers went toe to toe with them for pretty much the entire game, and, that, and that's a credit to to this coaching staff and um, and just getting this team fired up, especially of course with. A lot of the young kids that they had to play again today. I mean, you're looking at Sam Franklin, of course, having to get a lot of work at the safety position because of the injury to Justin Burris. And I thought he did okay. You know, he, he certainly held his own. You know, certainly he's certainly not on the level of um, Justin Burris by any means, but I thought he kind of held his own okay, you know, especially for kind of being... Uh, thrust into action a little bit, obviously, you know, getting that practice time, but still kind of getting thrust in there a little bit. Uh, Troy Pride got a lot of playing time, which was good to see. Uh, Eli Apple finally was able to play and stay healthy. Dante Jackson was out there and, you know, looking pretty good after being banged up. So, you know, for some of the injuries this team has had, they at least came away um, pretty healthy and, you know, looking pretty good. So, you know, this uh, it's a tough loss. It's, it's obviously a bitter, bitter pill, to, bitter pill to swallow. Try saying that a couple times fast, but um, you know, tough pill to swallow. But again, that resiliency I think eventually is going to turn into victories at some point for this Carolina Panthers team. And 
you know, again, the the pieces are there, right? The off, you know, Teddy Bridgewater threw the ball pretty well, you know, t- about 250 yards, 23-28 passing, 74-yard uh, touchdown pass to DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson had about 75 yards. So, you know, the, the pieces are there. You're, you're, we've said this before, you're laying the foundation. It's just now we just got to keep adding to that foundation and, you know, hopefully soon Christian McCaffrey comes back and puts this offense back to uh, the next level, especially with, of course, the tough stretch that they have coming. You know, they have a quick turnaround, of course, this week. They play Thursday night against the Falcons, uh, second meeting with them. And, you know, the Falcons are reeling a little bit after the way they lost to the Lions on Sunday, which was just an incredible finish. Um, the Panthers are early favorites, as expected. They're at home. It's a short week. Falcons are 1-6, so, you know, it totally makes perfect sense now that the Panthers, this time around, uh, they should have been favorites last, the first meeting, as I've said before, but they are at least opening as favorites this time around against the Falcons. But then, of course, it's a tough two-game stretch after that. You've got Kansas City, and you've got Tampa Bay, so... Definitely going to be a tough stretch there, but I kind of thought about it a little bit too before I jumped on here, and I'm thinking about their schedule and thinking about you know the way they're playing and some of these teams they're some of these teams they're playing. You know, playoffs might be less of less likely now because of these two losses, um, especially with the competition now above them. I mean, Arizona's obviously looking legit after their big win over the Seahawks. You know, the Saints are obviously there, the Rams, the 49ers are getting better. So playoffs are probably starting to be a little more of a a far cry at this point now that they're three and four. But eight and eight, I think, is still possible uh, for this for this Panthers team, which was, you know, certainly exceeding what our expectations were. I mean, you look at the upcoming games. I mean, they're still going to be favored in some of these upcoming games. Obviously, this week against Atlanta, so that should get them to 4-4. Four and four. You know, even if they lose the two games after that to Kansas City and Tampa Bay, that puts you at 4-6. and six. The two games after that are certainly both winnable. You've got the Lions at home and then on the road against the Vikings, but we know the Vikings have been really struggling this season. They had their bye, but of course... They're one and five, so it's very possible that the Panthers can still get to their bye week at six and six before what should be a you know kind of balanced final four stretch. Denver at home is winnable week fourteen. Uh, Green Bay obviously is going to be very tough. I, I obviously do not expect them to win that game at Lambeau in the middle of December uh, with the way you know even though that game is about two months away, we know the Packers are obviously extremely hot now at five and one. So they'll probably lose that game, uh, but that could still put them at seven and seven. Uh, should beat Washington, or at least should be favored to beat Washington, and then New Orleans might still have something to play for week seventeen. So that might be best case scenario right now for the Panthers is eight and eight. But again, we were talking this team was probably a five or six win team at most going into the season, and. If they come away with eight wins, you know, and, and I get people, some might have wanted them to have the high draft pick and lose a bunch of games, but, you know, it's it's a give and take, right? It's uh, 
I, I think at this point with the Panthers, it's just all about showing that progression. That's really what this first year was about, was showing some progress and getting these young players to kind of gel together. And I think we've seen plenty of that through the first seven weeks of the season. So, again, I uh, I think you have to be happy with uh, with the performances so far. Now the next step is just this team learning how to win some of those close games. So that, that's kind of you know the general thoughts of where we are right now with this team. Um, I do want to swing around the NFL a little bit, especially the NFC South. And I think we definitely have to talk about, you know, we hadn't talked about him much in the last couple of weeks, but I think we definitely have to talk about Cam Newton and that performance yesterday against the 49ers. But before we do that, I have a couple of shout outs, of course, we want to make. First, of course, today's episode being brought to you by our friends at Pepsi. You know, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or even overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people that play football in any fashion will ever play it professionally. But instead of entering the NFL, they've decided to join another league, which is the League of Football Watchers. This football season, of course, will be different, but Pepsi is always here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi, of course, is the refreshment that you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And of course, our friends at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, which is even deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, Cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, some of the original fa- flavors you guys know and love, like raspberry, peanut butter, mint brownie, salted caramel, and many, many more. Built bars, of course, are always covered in 100% chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health conscious guy, which means you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low calorie, low sugar. High protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. So, of course, don't just take my word for it. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off your next order. So, again, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. So I wanted to wrap around some of the other games, but I do got to mention too because didn't touch on this quite yet. Uh, one of the uglies, of course, you know, we, we talked about the Panthers struggling to run the football. They also struggled to stop the run game as usual. That's become the M.O. of this defense. I mean, uh, you know, neither running back ended up finding the end zone, but Alvin Kamara still had a uh, an ex- you know, a, a very solid game, 83 yards on 14 carries, 65 yards on eight catches. So 128 or excuse me, 148 total yards from Alvin Kamara. And then Latavius Murray added 47 yards on 11 carries. So they allowed 138 yards to the Saints as a team, 130 of them, of course, to Kamara and Murray. So again, 
the 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 rush defense just continues to be the Achilles heel of this Panthers defense and you know, again, we just talked about the schedule. You look at some of these teams coming up. I mean, even next, you know, even Thursday night, you know, Atlanta's struggling. But remember, Todd Gurley had 130 yards in the first meeting against Carolina. So it's certainly possible Gurley can have another game, another strong game like that. Then you get Clyde Edwards-Elair and Le'Veon Bell when you see the Chiefs in two weeks. Tampa's running game is picking it up a little bit with Leonard Fournette. And Ronald Jones, even when you get to Minnesota or to Detroit and Minnesota, obviously they've got some good running games too. De- DeAndre Swift is starting to pick it up in Detroit. Uh, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, and then Aaron Jones should be back for the uh, well before the Panthers meet the Packers. So that'll be a tough stretch. But they still have Jamal Williams, uh, Jamal Williams, who's a great back, and then of course they see Alvin Kamara again, assuming the Saints play their starters in week 17 so uh still a lot of good running backs left for the panthers to face so somehow they've got to clean this up if they're going to be uh if they're going to take that next step as um as a defense and somebody somebody on my social media or one of my social media apps mentioned or kind of threw out the thought of you know hey imagine Marvin Wilson next to Derek Brown. And I'm thinking, ooh, that would be a really nice combo. I mean, Marvin Wilson is really, really good. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen him so far uh, down at Florida State. He is incredible. And, I, I mean, I tell you what, there's a lot of good defensive tackles in this upcoming draft class between Marvin Wilson, between Jay Tufele, um you know, and a whole host of others. It's a good, uh, you know, Darius Stills of, of West Virginia is another one I really, really like. So there's a lot of good D tackles in this draft class that the Panthers could look at to, you know, help boost that defensive line. But, of course, it wasn't all bad on the defensive line. Brian Burns is, and I mean, this is stating, the, this is me being Captain Obvious, but Brian Burns is a stud. I mean, look at that strip sack. You know, it's like it's everything you want. Young evaluators, when you're watching defensive ends and how to rush the quarterback, that strip sack is a perfect example of what you want to see from a defensive end. The speed, the the get off ability, the way he dips his shoulders and, and turns the corner, that's just a perfect pass rusher rep and it re- resulted in a, uh, a strip sack. So Brian Burns is becoming a star uh, before our very eyes. I mean, we've seen it, you know, Panthers fans obviously have seen it now for a couple of years. I think the entire league and kind of the, the national scope is starting to come or it's finally starting to jump on that bandwagon on Brian Burns. And it's really exciting to see. So, uh, obviously, a lot of positives, or you know, certainly some positives, but again, definitely still some uh, some stuff to clean up on. But it's definitely nice to see uh, the way the Panthers are um, are attacking the quarterback, and again, really starting to put pressure on some of these opposing some of these opposing quarterbacks. So, really good stuff here. 
you know, they only came away with one sack, which again was Brian Burns, but you know, they're they're still they're still developing and getting better at putting pressure on the quarterback, which is nice to see. So that's kind of the uh, the quick recap a little bit. Um, you know, the good, the bad, and some of the ugly of the Panthers loss to the Saints. So the Panthers sit at three and four. Uh, Saints are now at four and two. Both of those teams, of course, still looking up at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who ended up routing the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday by a score of 45 to 20. Five total touchdowns, four through the air for Tom Brady as the Buccaneers offense just looks absolutely incredible. And it's going to be really interesting in a couple of weeks when Antonio Brown makes his debut in Week 9 against the Saints. But the Bucks lead the South at 5-2, and two, Saints at 4-2, and two, Panthers 3-4, and four, and then the Falcons. Boy, the way that game finished against the Detroit Lions was absolutely incredible. I mean, Todd Gurley... It was it was like a replay of the Penn State Indiana game where Gurley's run into the goal line, tries to stop and stay outside the end zone and kind of keep the clock running, but he ends up in the end zone anyway. It looked exactly like what uh, what Penn State did uh, late in their game against Indiana, and for both Penn State and the Falcons, the result was the same. It cost them big time. Fal- or the Lions, of course, ended up driving the field and scoring a late touchdown and winning the game. And it, and not just you know scoring the touchdown, but then they had to kick a 48-yard extra point because of an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty uh, on the Lions after the touchdown. So Matt Prater had to c- come out for a 48-yard extra point, and he drilled it. And the Lions won 23-22. to So that puts the Lions at 3-3. Three three. The Falcons now are at 1-6. So that's the NFC South standings. Again, the playoff standings now, at least in the wild card. Packers have the top wild card right now at 5-1 after their throttling of the Texans. Cardinals, incredible win over the Seahawks on Sunday night. They moved to 5-2. and two. So they've already equaled their win total from last season. So a uh, great job so far in year two from head coach Cliff Kingsbury. And of course, quarterback Kyler Murray Rams are at four and two. They of course play tonight against the bears. And then the saints are tied with the Rams, but the Rams have the tiebreaker for that last spot because the Rams are four and one right now in conference games. The saints are three and one. And then you've got the 49ers sitting at four and three. And then the Lions are sitting there at three and three, and then the and then come the Panthers at three and four. So still still some ground to make up uh, in the playoff standings. Um, but again, they do at least play a couple of these teams still uh, down the road. Again, we know they have the Lions in a few weeks. They still have to play the Saints again. Um, still play the Packers, and of course do have at least that head-to-head win over the Cardinals if they need it. Um, Draft-wise, I believe right now they're sitting 13th, you know, because especially if we're talking the possibility they're not going to make the playoffs. Carolina right now holding the 13th draft pick 
in you know for next year currently it's the Jets at 0-7 and then you've got all the one win teams right now which are the Giants the Jaguars the Falcons the Texans whose pick goes of course the Dolphins the Vikings and then the Bengals and then you've got all the two win teams right now Dallas Washington the Chargers the Patriots and then Denver and then Carolina right now sitting at three and four so that's where the Panthers stand in the playoff standings and in the draft order I want to wrap it up like I said earlier I figured we have to talk about the struggles yesterday of one Cam Newton which was just really amazing to watch I mean Cam Newton and the Patriots of course just got absolutely throttled at home by the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 33-6. to six. So the 49ers, of course, are now 4-3. and three. Um, And now through seven weeks of the season, all four teams in the NFC West are above 500. Because the Niners, of course, are in last place, but they're 4-3. and three. And the Patriots now have a record, or a six-game start, that they actually never had under Tom, or with Tom Brady as quarterback. This is the first time since 2000, so when Drew Bledsoe was still the starter, you know, because of course that was the year Brady was drafted, but wasn't the starter yet. But for the first time since 2000, the New England Patriots are 2 and 4. And part of that of course was because of the bad day, the horrible no good terrible whatever you want to call it bad day for one Cam Newton as he went just 9 of 15 for just 98 yards and he threw three interceptions and then he was benched in the middle of the fourth quarter in favor of Jared Stidham I mean obviously partly because of the poor play and because of the fact that the Patriots were just getting absolutely derailed. Um, worst home loss ever for Bill Belichick as, as head coach of the Patriots. Just an absolutely... I mean, he did add 19, 19 rushing yards on five carries. But just a miserable, miserable day for Cam Newton. As the 49ers, again, were just all over... The Patriots. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 of 25, 277 yards. He himself, though, threw two picks. Uh, the The highlight of the day, really, or the highlight player in this one was actually Jeff Wilson. 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, but he ended up leaving the game with an injury, actually on that third touchdown run, uh, which really sucked to see. But he had a great day in the 49ers. Just, uh, again, just destroyed Cam Newton and the Patriots, which was just, you know, rude. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's kind of baffling, right? We we're not used to seeing uh, this kind of performance from Cam Newton. Um, he was also sacked twice by the 49ers. So just a, a bad day. So at least, you know, depending on how Panthers fans still feel about Cam Newton, obviously, you know, it's not like it was his fault. He's out of here. But the fact now remains that uh, the Carolina Panthers for the time being do have a better record than the New England Patriots. Now, of course, as we know, Newton didn't play all six of these games because he was out. Um, he was obviously out for one of those games with COVID, but still, it's a uh, it's a down down year so far for the New England Patriots, which again is is very rare to see. You know, it's kind of odd. For uh, to see that kind of record, a two and four, with the Patriots, but figured I at least wanted to touch on that. You know, again, just just was incredible, especially with the way he started the season. You know, is his recovery from COVID playing a factor in this? It could. Who knows? I don't know. But I mean, we've gone now from Cam having that incredible season opener against the Dolphins to now being benched here at the end of their sixth game. Now, it doesn't sound like Cam Newton's going to be supplanted a starter anytime soon. Bill Belichick did say after the game that uh, Cam Newton will continue to be the starter. So that doesn't look like it's changing anytime soon. He said he just wanted to get Jared Stidham some experience. So, and again, I mean, it was 33-6, to so... You're not going to – you might as well just cut the losses now in this game. So, But, again, I figured I'd touch on that just because, again, it was just incredible to me that – oh, and, of course, Jared Stidham threw an interception himself. So, as a team, the Patriots threw four interceptions, um, and he was only 6-10 for 64 yards. So, as a team, the Patriots were 15-25 for 162 yards, four interceptions. So, just a bad day overall for Cam Newton and the Patriots, but I figured, and I mean, obviously, if you guys are interested in you know more talk on Cam Newton and the Patriots, I highly suggest Mike Diabati, Locked On Patriots, uh, Mark Schofield, Pat's Pulpit. Go check those two guys out because they both do an incredible job at covering the New England Patriots. So go check them out. I'm gonna wrap it up here, though. I think that was a good uh, another. Fine talk with all you fine folks out there. Um, as always, of course, remember to follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Setti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Follow the podcast wherever you get your listening pleasure. We are pretty much there. As always, thanks for making me a part of your Monday. And always enjoy starting the week with you guys. Uh, we're obviously going to be moving pretty quickly here. We've only got 
Tuesday and Wednesday to kind of uh, preview, and I guess Thursday, but obviously that'll be crossover Thursday. Uh, so we've only got a couple days to get ready for the next game because, again, it's a quick turnaround. Thursday night on Fox, the Panthers and the Falcons to kick off week number eight. And then it's crazy to think after that game's over, the Panthers season is half over already. So it's moving quick. Uh, so we'll be here to talk a little more about the Falcons and get you ready for Thursday night. But, again, thank you for making me a part of your Monday. Have a great rest of it, and we'll see you tomorrow right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. We'll see you soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.